Welcome back to another Twisted Tuesday edition of the Sip and Serve podcast, where we sip what's cold and serve what's hot. My name is Clay Roll, a.k.a. Rolski, and I am the host of the Sip and Serve podcast. It is great to be back. I am solo tonight for the first time ever. I'm doing a podcast by myself down here in the Sip and Serve podcast studio. The tree's lit. The lights are off, the board's on, laptop's on, and I've got no one to talk to. So I'm literally sitting in the dark here, the tree over here in the corner glistening, grizzly wintergreen on my side. I'm here to tell you the drinks aren't cold tonight. I had a long, long weekend, and it's it's time just to give give my liver a break i'm recording on monday evening it's about 6 30 p.m this will be released tuesday morning for you for your guys's viewing pleasures or listening pleasures whatever you want to say so let's get into why i had a long weekend friday night usually podcast night we uh we tried to record we tried to record a uh rollski exclusive and it was going to air on Tuesday. So this podcast is actually taking the replace of that one. We had Uncle Buck on and uh, two other two other listeners that have yet to be on a podcast. And we, uh, let's just say the bush light was flowing pretty good. And uh, the topics got a little, little out of control. We went off the rail a little bit. I say these are going to be rated R podcasts. I'd say that one would have been like rated, unrated triple X. I mean, I mean, it was, it was, it went totally off the rails. It's gold, but it's, uh, we're just going to put that one in the archives. Like we're just going to chalk it up as a loss. So, uh, no one's probably ever going to hear that podcast and it's probably a good thing. But anyway, that was Friday night. I mean, uh, me and uncle Buck were here and, uh, buddies, we had the Lakers game on. We were watching the game, doing a podcast, great all around time, but the, the podcast side of things, it went a little sideways on us, but that's why I'm back. I told you guys on Tuesdays, I'm going to try to release a podcast on Tuesdays by myself, Rolski exclusive. I'm hoping this turns out all right. Like I said, I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here looking at a wall right now, just talking to myself. So I'm going to go as long as I can without uh, going crazy. Saturday. Saturday was a hell of a day. Um, one of one of my good good buddies got married to love of his life. He had a great great celebration, beautiful wedding, awesome reception, bomb ass after party. I mean, it, we had a great time. So, I've been to two weddings these past two weekends, and it got me thinking. What a what do you have to have? to make a wedding great. So I compiled a little list here. One you got to have you got to have some good food, something that you know everybody's going to enjoy. And lucky for us and half the people all the people that were there at this uh, reception on Saturday, Okinawa Smokehouse catered the wedding. Sponsor for the Sip and Serve podcast. Shout out to Okinawa. The food was great. And shout out to my buddy for having them in there. Support local. I mean, the food was great. Everything was good. 
Another thing you have to have, good friends and good family. Get everybody gathered together. Have a great time. Celebrate the love that these two share for each other. And we did exactly that on both weekends. Good friends and good family. I've seen a lot of people that I don't get to see all the time. And catching up with a lot of you talking about the podcast. Tell me how much you like it. Tell me uh, what episode you like. What don't you like about it? Some of you, some of you gave me some pointers, some opinions. I love it. Keep them coming. Um, you also need good weather. If it's an outside wedding or like we had, we kind of had tents outside set up for the reception by the beer cart. I mean, you, you want great weather. I mean, no one wants to get married on a rainy day, but it happens. But good weather, a beautiful scenery out there on the farm we were on. Sun was shining, pumpkins out, fall wedding, couldn't beat it. Other than food, friends and family, good weather, I think one of the main things that'll make your wedding is a good DJ. Now I know I know back when I got married two years ago, I took that upon myself. I told I told my wife she was she was doing all this wedding planning and I said, you know what? Just just let me take care of the DJ. So I did my research. I found Probably the best guy around. He's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He can talk. He's funny. He was great. Shout out DJ Buck Wild. I know he's been a part of a lot of people's weddings that I've known. And I see pictures all the time. He's posting on Facebook. Of I mean, he's marrying people. He's DJing people's weddings all the time. So shout out Buck Wild. And these other two weddings I just went to, DJs were great. I mean, I just feel like they've got to, they've got to be able to talk. They've got to be able to get. They've got to be able to connect with the crowd that that's there. Some crowds are different, but these past two DJs I've had these past two weekends have been phenomenal. And the last thing to make a great wedding, I believe, is plenty of beer. I mean, this is a sip and serve podcast, and you know, we love beer here. And I know there's a lot of people out there that love beer. It's not just beer. Make sure you have plenty of it. More than enough. You need more than enough beer. Don't try to plan, uh, well, this guy's going to drink six beers. That table's going to drink a 12-pack. No. If you're going to have beer, get enough beer. I know at my wedding, we, uh, we had six kegs of beer, and they were gone before it got dark. But we rallied. And we, we bought 20, 20 more cases of beer, and we only took three home afterwards. So we had six kegs, 20 cases of beer, and I believe we had 50 bottles of wine, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, that's, I mean, to have a, to have a great reception, in my opinion, I mean, you, you've got to have good food, good friends and family, good weather, good DJ, and plenty of beer to go around. So, in honor of the, the wedding seasons here, I was, I was at work today. I'm like, man, what am I going to talk about on this podcast? I got to get one out for these people. So, I compiled a list of my top five favorite wedding songs at a reception. So, starting with my sixth man, I came out with the song Shout by Otis Day and the Nights. I mean, I grew up, 
I grew up going to a lot of weddings with my family and getting on that dance floor and dancing to the song Shout. I mean, it just gets the whole crowd going. Everybody's got their hands in there. Everybody's gatoring on the ground when it says get lower now. I mean, it's all around great song. But I've got some good ones on here that that one didn't even make my top five. And that's a great, a great song to listen to or the DJ to play at a wedding. Number five, Saturday Night by the Bay City Rollers. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, Night. Fantastic. Gets the crowd going. Monk, he, he goes absolutely crazy when Saturday Night Bay City Rollers come on. And I've kind of, since I grew up with him doing that at the weddings, you know, I got into it. I got a little older. I introduced it to my to my friends at all these receptions. Everybody loves Saturday Night by the Bay City Rollers. Number four, this cut this comes back from you know back in my high school days, and I mean it's an old song, but I just remember at all the dances like this was like a song that I asked the DJ to play about every prom I ever went to, and. It's a staple. I mean, it's a staple at weddings too. Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot. Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot. Back in the day, I used to know every lyric to that song, and you got, I'm going to spare you guys. I'm not going to sing it for you. Number three, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett. You're probably, there's a little bit of classic rock thing going on here, and it's going to get even better with these next two. I love rock and roll by Joan Jett. You go out to a, a watering hole on a Saturday night, a bar, go over to the jukebox, put a quarter quarter in, and play some I love rock and roll. You won't be disappointed. Number two. I had a hard time between one and two. I didn't know which one I wanted to pick. But uh I went number two here. You shook me all night long by ACDC. There's not many songs out there that you can connect with the whole crowd on. Some people like a little faster pace. Some people like a little slower pace. Some people like hip-hop. Other people like classic rock. I mean, it's hard to get the whole group involved at a reception. But You Shook Me All Night Long, ACDC, hits everybody. It hits everybody. So that's my number two. And my number one song is Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard. There's just something about this song that just gets me. And I don't even have to be at a reception. Like, I can be in a garage drinking beer. I can be at a bar drinking beer. Or, hell, I don't even have to be drinking beer. I could be mowing my yard, push mowing with headphones on, ear pods in my ear. And this song comes on. Like, I'm, I'm air guitaring. I mean, I'm dancing my ass off in the yard. It don't matter where I'm at. Pour some sugar, pour some sugar on me. If it comes on... Look out. Just asked my wife at our already wedding reception. I turned into a uh, Chippendale dancer, took my shirt off. Yeah, bad deal. But great memories. That's about all I got for the wedding side of things. Shout out to the newlyweds. You guys are awesome. Moving on. The Lakers and the Heat played last night, Sunday. Lakers were up 2-0 in the series. And I, I remember talking to a bunch of guys at the reception, a bunch of basketball fans. We got to talking about the Lakers and the Heat. And uh, we all said it was going to be a sweep. 
And uh, by God, the next night, uh, we were wrong. The Lakers came out and laid a freaking egg on Sunday evening. Anthony Davis had 15 points, five rebounds on six of nine shooting. Anthony Davis, probably a top four player in the whole league in an NBA Finals game, is only shooting the ball nine times. Completely, completely unacceptable in my mind. And I'm, I mean, I'm a huge Lakers fan. You all know that. But this guy's an all star, top five player in the freaking league. And he's going out, and there's not a single soul on that Heat team that can hold his jock strap. Get the ball and take it to the paint and score or shoot free throws. He only shot two foul shots on Sunday night. Two foul shots. You're seven foot one. You're athletic. You're probably the second best player on the court besides LeBron. Get to the line. Get aggressive and put the ball in the hole. He played 33 minutes and shot the ball nine times. Five turnovers. And his plus minus was minus 26. For those of you that don't know what plus minus is, when he was on the court, the Heat scored 26 more points than the Lakers. I think that's what it means. Don't fact check me. Anyway, LeBron, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists in 39 minutes. Now you're all thinking, man, that's a, that's a great stat line. Yeah, yeah, it is. But if you watch the game, you're like, I don't know where them numbers came from. Like, there was nothing really spectacular that he did that jumped out. He also had eight turnovers. And for LeBron James in a finals game, that's, that's unheard of. So, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you guys, you guys have got to get your head out of your ass because this Heat team, this Heat team isn't nothing, isn't nothing just a. I I mean, you can't, you can't give this Heat team – Confidence. And the other thing that bothered me was in the post game presser, LeBron James, they asked him, I was like, How do you feel about the Heat gaining confidence after this big victory? And he like downplayed it. And I'm sitting here thinking, Dude, you cannot downplay this team. Have you seen? They, they damn near went undefeated in the Eastern Conference. I think they lost one or two games all the way through the playoffs. Like, I know their, their, their point guards hurt, their starting centers hurt. But they just they just came out and kicked your ass on Sunday. They literally stuck their boot up your ass and just stomped you into the ground. Jimmy Butler, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists without attempting a three-pointer. That is freaking unreal in today's NBA. This guy's going out and dropping 40 on you without shooting a single three-pointer. Who the hell's guarding this guy? I mean, Vogel, our, our head coach, I mean, you've got you've to put something in there. I mean, why, why isn't LeBron James taking it upon himself to guard their best player? That's what bothers me. And he, he might have guarded him, you know, a few quarters, a few possessions, but 40 points is unacceptable from Jimmy Butler. I mean, the guy's not even he's, – he's, he's not even that great of an offensive threat. I mean, he's, he plays bully ball. He gets in the paint. I mean, you know he's not going to shoot a three – Take a step off of him, keep him in front of you. I mean, I used to coach basketball. I probably wasn't even that good of a coach, but I know that. If he's not going to shoot a three, give him a step. Shit. Also, another thing that ticked me off about this game. LeBron James walked off the court with 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter. 
They were down 115 to 104. Yes, the game was over. It was way over. But he literally looked at the clock and just walked off the court. Like, how can you be the most popular basketball player in the world, the best basketball player in the world, and then just walk off the court in an NBA Finals game with 10 seconds left? Like, you, you couldn't just stand there until the time ran out? It bothers me, man. It bothers me. And then in the post-game presser, post-game presser, he says he lost track of time. What a bullshit excuse that was. You lost track of time. Yeah, right. You're the best basketball player in the world. Act like it. I'm telling you guys, I'm, I mean, I, I can't really connect with you to tell you, but get your head out of your ass for this next game or these guys are going to tie it up and then you're really going to be in some trouble. Speaking of in trouble, LeBron told Jimmy Butler at the end of game two that they're in trouble. Well, at the end of game three, Jimmy Butler winked at LeBron and told him, no, you're in trouble. And I believe it. I believe it. If they can't get their head out of their ass and figure out what they're doing out there, this Heat team's going to tie this thing up, and we're, we might go six or seven. Moving on, the NFL was a big day yesterday. Me, DG, Corey with a K, and Uncle Buck sat around, watched the first half of the Bengals game, recorded a nice podcast for you guys coming up on Thursday. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this podcast that we're putting out on Thursday. Joey Burrow gets his first W in his NFL career. He says finning or he says winning is fun. Well, yeah, Joey, it is fun when you're not getting your head smacked off like you have been for the past three weeks. He had a hell of a game. He's the first rookie quarterback to throw three consecutive 300-yard games in his rookie year. Congratulations, Joey. Keep it up. Think about this. His coach gave him the game ball after the game. Joe Burrow looked at it, put it back in the ball bag, and the reporters asked him why he gave it back, and he said it was too good of a ball. He wants to use it again. Huh. Now, that's a winner right there, folks. That's a winner. The Browns beat the Cowboys. Are the Browns for real? Because they're 3-1 and one right now. I mean, granted, they beat the Bengals and they beat the Washington football team. But they also just put the smack down on a Cowboys team that was supposed to be good this year. Now, you're probably wondering, Rolski, didn't you, didn't you pick the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl this year or go to the Super Bowl this year? Yes, I did. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and they're 1-3 they're right now. But here's the thing. Their defense is absolutely hideous. I mean, they are horrible. And... They've got the offense that can score points. I mean, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking you got to be able to outscore the freaking Browns, don't you? So that was my best bet this week. Every Friday, I put out a best bet on Twitter. And, of course, I lost because the freaking clowns came out to play. I, I, I just really don't know. I don't know if the Browns are, are good. I, I can't get a grasp on them. They got, they got their... Asses kicked the first week against the Ravens. And then, I mean, now they're 3-0 and in their last four. I don't know. We'll see. On to the fantasy side of things. I got a little segment here. Fantasy studs and duds at each position. The first stud I want to talk about is coming from that Cowboys-Browns game. The quarterback stud. 
Dak Prescott, 502 passing yards, four touchdowns, 44 points in my PPR league. He's the number one quarterback in fantasy football as we speak. Now, give or take, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers hasn't played yet. He's the number one player in fantasy football right now. Points scored. This guy is on track to throw 6,700 passing yards this season. Through four games, he's on track to throw 6,700. Here's a little fun fact for you. No one has ever passed over 5,500 yards. Peyton Manning, I think in 2003, when he played for the Broncos, threw for 5,477 yards. Dak Prescott is on track to throw 6,700 yards this year because his defense is a pile of poop. Pile of poop. Anyway, Dak Prescott is a stud this week. Tom Brady, the GOAT, the old man, the gunslinger, 43 years old, 369 passing yards, five touchdowns. The old man has still got it. And his starting tight end, O.J. Howard, got hurt. He's out for the year. Probably his best wide receiver in Chris Godwin. He's hurt. He didn't play. Mike Evans had a hell of a game. Scotty Miller, I think that's his name. Scott Miller, Scotty Miller. He's, I mean, he's, he can't be very big. I mean, he's probably five foot 11, just a slot receiver. He's had a great year. Tom Brady's got it. QB dud, fantasy football this week. Jared Goff. Now, a lot of people are probably saying, well, why is Jared Goff on your fantasy team? He's not on mine, but there's people out there who have quarterbacks that haven't, haven't turned out to be that good, like Drew Brees. I mean, he, he's not having that great of a year. He's not a good fantasy quarterback. So other people are picking up Jared Goff as a streamer. And in the past, Jared Goff has been good. He's been a good fantasy player. Back when that year they went to the Super Bowl, he was great. High-powered offense, McVay's offense, high-powered. He only threw for 200 passing yards this week, one passing touchdown. Where's this high-powered offense the year you guys went to the Super Bowl? Why aren't you guys doing that? I mean, you got the same receivers on your team. You lost Brandon Cooks, but you drafted a guy. You got a good tight end. You got Woods. You got Cooper Cup on the outside. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Jared Goff this year, but he can he's proven that he can toss the pigs in, so let the kid throw the ball. Wide receiver stud. Odell Beckham Jr. He had two rushes for 73 yards and a touchdown. Five receptions for 81 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. Is Odell back? Are the Browns back? Is Odell back? I think he's the real deal. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, he's ne- he's never been on my radar for fantasy, ever, because I'm just not a big fan of him. But... Here in these past few games, man, he's been he's been coming out. He's been coming out to play. So I think he's finally got his head on straight. I think he's 100% healthy now. And I think he can lead this Browns team. I know Nick Chubb just got hurt, and that sucks. But that's why you signed Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's going to be a top five fantasy running back from here on out until Chubb gets back. Mark my words. Second wide receiver stud, Amari Cooper. Two Cowboy studs this week. 12 receptions, 134 yards, receiving touchdown, and a two-point conversion. Now, you want to talk about someone who's benefiting from their defense being bad. I've already said that about Dak Prescott. What about Amari Cooper? Who do you think Dak Prescott is throwing the ball to? 
Cooper had 16 targets on Sunday. That is very, very rare and unheard of. 16 times Dak Prescott threw him the ball. I'm telling you, as soon as long as their defense keeps laying eggs out there, he's going to be a big-time fantasy receiver. If you can trade for him, go get him. I doubt you can get him, but if you can, do it. Duds, the number one fantasy wide receiver coming in to week four was Tyler Lockett. He was ranked number one PPR wide receiver. He had two receptions for 39, 39 yards. And you wonder why my fantasy team got stomped in the ground this week. Tyler Lockett, man. And then Eckler goes down. And then my tight end puts up one point. Shout out to Uncle Buck because, I mean, he, he literally kicked my ass this week in fantasy. Another dud. And this guy, I can't believe I drafted him. I knew, I knew during the draft that day that I, I didn't want to take this guy, but I just said, hey, just take the risk. Take the risk and get him. A.J. Green, a reception for three yards. He had one catch for three yards. I think it's time to drop him and never look back. Or you can just stash him on your bench and hope for a miracle. But he's out of shape and, or he's washed up. I'm not sure. I can't get a grasp on him, but he is absolutely doing nothing. He should be out of all fantasy starting lineups. Tied in stud. George Kittle. He's back. He's healthy. And he loves Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback. I don't know if you guys remember, but last year, I think Garoppolo missed a few games, and I think Nick Mullins was the quarterback, or it might have been the year before anyway. Every time Nick Mullins plays with a healthy George Kittle, George Kittle blows up. He had 15 targets, 15 receptions for 183 yards and a touchdown. He went 15 for 15 receiving, 183 yards and a touchdown. Fun fact, Nick Mullins had 200 yards passing yesterday. 183 of them went to Kittle. Talk about a target monster. Read that and weep. Dud, Zach Ertz. I don't know what's going on with this guy. He might be washed up. I mean, he's not even that old, but he's having he's not having a great year. I think he was getting drafted in the fourth or fifth round in fantasy drafts. If you picked Zach Ertz this year, you are nothing but disappointed. He has been the draft bust. Compared to his average draft position at round four or five, he has been a bust. He caught four passes for nine yards. Four passes for nine yards. If I'm a Zach Ertz owner, I'm looking to trade him and see what I can get. The dud tied in this week. Mike Jacecki for the Miami Dolphins. He was ranked number seven overall tied in this week going into the week. And he caught one ball for 15 yards. And guess whose fantasy team he was on? Mine. All right, so that's that's the sports for the week. Now I'm going to do a few trending topics. We're about a half hour in. Trending. What's trending? Well, I was surfing the web a few days ago, and I came across this. Coca-Cola. Great pop brand. Soda. Soda pop. Good for mixers. Put you in a little Jack Daniels. Gin a little Crown Royal. Or just, just enjoy a Coke with a bag of popcorn. I don't care. Coca-Cola says it will release its first alcoholic beverage in the U.S. in 2021. Huh, interesting. So I clicked on it. I clicked on it. I'm like, huh, I wonder what, wonder what they're coming out with. You know, some of these, some of these brands like uh, make like a uh, 
softer, softer like whiskey. That's like you can. I didn't know if it was gonna be like a mixture, mixture drink. But no, I got the, I got, I got the, I got the reading, and guess what? It's another seltzer. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you're the most popular, probably the most popular pop brand in the world, and you're going to make another seltzer. How many more seltzers do we need? I mean, we've got White Claws, we've got Trulies, we've got Bud Lights, we've got Smirnoffs. The, the, the list just goes on and on and on. I know there's a ton of beer brands, and I know there's a ton of seltzer brands, but if I'm Coca-Cola, I'm coming out with something unique. Why am I going to follow the trend and come out with a seltzer? Anyways, it's going to be 4.7% alcohol, and the flavors are going to vary. I mean, I really don't have a whole lot on this, but I just feel like this is a good topic for this podcast. Why in the world are we making another seltzer? It's it just blows my mind honestly. Coca Cola, do better. Stick with what you're good at. If you want to make an alcoholic beverage, fine. But enough with the seltzers already. I mean, most people that I know that drink seltzers, they're only drinking the White Claws or the Bud Lights. Okay, I hardly ever see Trulies anymore or the Smirnoffs or anything else. It's all White Claws or the Bud Light seltzers. So Coca Cola, I hope it works out for you. Actually, I really don't care if it does or not because I'm not going to buy it. Moving on. Earlier in our beginning days of the podcast, I think uh, I think we had a trending topic about murder hornets. Actually, I know we did, and Troy was here, and he was telling that story about he was down on a golf course somewhere, and he's seen a murder hornet flying around with a cicada in its mouth. And, you know, we all called, I kind of called bullshit on the story, but... Now that I, I've been reading on this, the murder hornets are making their way into their slaughter phase. And I remember we talked about this on the podcast. The murder hornets are now, right now, as we speak, getting ready for the slaughter phase. Now, you're probably asking what the slaughter phase is. The slaughter phase is where they go and feast on honeybees. They they just go and wreck the whole, the whole honeybee family. I mean, they're, it gets a little graphic, but here's the story. Officials in Washington are now conducting a frantic search for a nest containing giant murder hornets before they enter the slaughter phase. Six hornets have been trapped in the city of Blaine, Washington, and in the past two weeks, it has prompted authorities to launch a hornet hunt before they embark upon murderous rampage on the honeybees. Now, does that sound crazy or what? This country has been in shambles, you know, since 2020. It's all the, all this COVID stuff, the the debates about the president, the politics, the mask, the closing down of restaurants and bars and all that. You all know what I'm talking about. But now authorities in Washington are worried about these murder hornets going on a rampage on the honeybees. The slaughter phase is here. <laughs> It just blew my mind because, I mean, we talked about that kind of as like a kind of as a joke earlier in the episodes. I forget what episode number it was, but it was kind of like a joke. And we, we, we kind of made some fun around it. And then Troy says he sees them flying around with cicadas. So I'm thinking, man, maybe Troy really did see a murder hornet attacking a cicada because they say when they attack these bees, they rip they rip the head off. They're literally ripping the head off of these honeybees. And then they're taking it back to their, their uh, I don't know what, their nest, I should say. 
and they're feeding the young with these honeybees' bodies. So, Troy, I'm sorry I laughed at you, man, but I think I think you were telling the truth. I really do. The murder hornets are real, and they are wreaking havoc on other bugs and bees. Son of a bitch, who would have knew Troy was right about that? So the last thing, the last thing I got here is this TV show that's been on CBS like the past, I don't know, like the past month or several months. Let's just say it's been on like for the past three months. Hell, I don't know how long it's been on, but my wife's been watching it. It's called Love Island. So, you know, we live in the same household. She's usually upstairs. I'm usually down here doing something in the podcast studio. And, you know, I walk up and I sit on the couch and I, I sit down and I watch it a little bit because I love reality TV. Reality TV is all I watch. So I go up, I sit on the couch, you know, I kind of get into it because I like reality TV and I like to see what these shows are about. So basically, Love Island is like a, they're kind they're in a house, kind of like the Big Brother house, but not really. It's it's a fancy little setting and I mean, it's got pools, it's got hot tubs, it's got fire pits. I mean, it's it's a, Super nice house. And uh, so they bring in five girls and five guys, I believe. I'm not sure on the numbers. Don't fact check me because I really don't know what I'm talking about. Five, I think it's five guys and five girls to start the show. So what this show is about is these people are coupling up. They got a couple up. It's called a couple ceremony. And each week, a guy and a girl, even if they don't like each other, they've got to pick one another, I believe, until more people start coming in the house. So I think the first few weeks... Of the first few episodes, there was just 10 people in the house. So then it gets interesting when, like, one week it'll be new guys, one week it'll be new girls, I believe. And they start bringing in, like, three new people. So they get to come in for a few days and try to try to make their way in between these couples and steal one of them to recouple up at the next ceremony. And then the OGs that were in the house have to pick between another OG guy or girl or one of the new people. So I'm sitting here thinking, I seen today that the winners received a $100,000 check. A $100,000 check. Now, that just seems out of this world to me because do you really think that these people who won, so to win, you got to be like, get America votes on like the strongest couple or their favorite couple throughout the show. And I believe the winners were Caleb and Justine. And at the end of the show, Caleb had a chance to take the money, I believe. I think I read this right. If not, I'm sorry. I might be lying. But I think I read that Caleb had a chance to take a $100,000 check and just say goodbye to Justine and just walk out $100,000 richer. And he chose to split the check because he said he was in love with Justine. That's his girl. When they get out of this house, they're going to live a happy life together. Now, I hope that's true. I hope it's true. But in my mind, half of these TV shows that you see that are rowdy TV like this, uh, DJ, DJ Polly D and uh, Vinny, they have their own love show on MTV. I think it's like season two or three, whatever. That They have all these girls and they start dating. And at the end of the show, they each have a boyfriend and girlfriend, then they leave. But then, like, right after the show, they're always broke up. So half of these love shows, like, if you watch the challenge, these people, you know, they 
they have sex on the show and then they they say they they love each other and then right after the show's over you always see like a TMZ oh these guys got in a huge fight they're broken up so I'm thinking this hundred thousand dollar check I'm like why is this does this guy really feel like that him and Justine are going to work out after this house and I'm thinking in my head Caleb, I mean, if you're not going to marry this girl, you got to take that hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I know you're on national television. I know you don't want to come off as an as an, of an asshole. I know you don't want to. I know you don't want to, you know, break her heart on national television and whatnot. But I just wonder deep down in his head or heart that he actually thinks he's going to be able to hang a relationship with this girl after the show. I mean, they, they half the time these people live across the country. And then someone's got to move to another state, and then they get in a fight, and they they just can't choose, and then they just break up. So he already split the money. They both got $50,000, and I'm just thinking, boy, you better go buy a ring right after this show and wife her up, or she's, one, going to leave you because she's $50,000 richer. I mean, I just I – just, these reality TV shows are so whack. I remember when I was watching The Challenge one year, and there were teammates, and Johnny Bananas, he's probably the most popular – contestant on the challenge ever he's got like six or seven championships he's the michael jordan of mtv the challenge and this guy i forget the girl's name they went and they won it was a it was a guy and a girl they had to team up throughout the show and they ended up winning it at the end and i think he had a chance they won five hundred thousand dollars i believe and he he had the chance because he he finished faster in the final it was his chance to take all the money or split it with his partner who helped him win throughout the whole show. And he took the money. He said, no, I'm going to take the $500,000. You know, he, he said he felt like he was, he was the main reason they got to the final and won, and he basically carried her the whole way. And that girl hadn't been back on the show, so it literally tore her apart. But Johnny Bananas, he's ruthless. He just tore the, he just tore the heart straight out of the poor girl and just took $500,000. So I'm thinking about this Caleb and Justine in this Love Island reality TV show where all these couples basically just live in a house together and hook up with different people all the time. And this guy split the money. So he must really love her. Shout out to Caleb. I mean, if you really think that's going to happen, go for it, brother. Caleb and Justine, $100,000 richer. Congratulations. That's about all I got. I'm sorry for rambling on. But before I go, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Old Canal Smokehouse. Like I said, they they catered the wedding that I was just at this past weekend. These people are so nice. Friends of the show. Friends of mine personally. The Smokehouse is known for the most unique craft beer selection and rare bourbons that go along with their amazing food. You can dine in, order takeout, or even have them cater your next event. Visit them in their newly renovated space at 94 East Water Street in downtown Chilla Coffee. Before I go, one more thing. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. See ya. Oh, my goodness. What a shot. This is the walk-off. I seen this earlier today on Twitter. The tweet said, are you a fountain or a drain. Fountains bring life and energy to their team. They are positive, encouraging, and make everyone around them better. Drains suck the energy out of the room. 
they are negative, complain, and have a problem for every solution. People, moral of this story is, be a fucking fountain. I'm Rolski. Stay hot, stay safe, and I'll catch your ass on the next episode of the Sip and Serve Podcast.